Hey church, welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. This is where we as pastors want to bring to the table things that we weren't able to say on Sunday. Such a clever title. Um, we, uh, we have a great show for you. Uh, we've got special guests, Sam and Ross, your, your very own pastors. So I'm excited to hear from them. We have <laughs> How both... can we be guests if we're here every week? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, your guests are, are on these the guys? show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we're going we're gonna to hear from Pastor Ross on his sermon last Sunday on Luke 1, 1 to 5. And he's going to cover oh, yeah. the best intro sermon I've ever heard for any book. It was so right good. Yeah. Um, and that was not me clapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, wait, you were, man. Yeah. It was me. I was clapping for Ross, so just to clarify. So yeah. in this podcast, Ross is going to get into what the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, have to say and how they confirm... The Gospel of Luke. He's also going to cover um, a more nerdy topic. The Bible is not mythological. All these, he's going to get real nerdy on you. Uh, the Bible is not mythological; it's history. So, uh, some really good points there. And what would the new atheists uh, say against the validity of the Bible? So, he's got some good stuff for us. And then Pastor Sam uh, preached a banger a couple weeks ago on our identity as servants, or sorry, as missionaries. That was my that sermon. Was you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah my missionary. sermon was great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's going to cover today how to be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, I'm excited to hear about that. What does it mean to be sanctified? And then finally, he wants to offer some clarifications on being a missionary, what that means and doesn't mean. So uh, we're going to ask Ross, we're going to start out with Ross and ask a couple questions. Tell us, what did you say on Sunday? Sweet. Yeah, my, my sermon on Sunday was about the certainty that we can have in the Bible, specifically the book of Luke, and most of all in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And my main point was that we have great reasons for great certainty in Jesus. Um, the main reasons that I drew from this text was that we have excellent, reliable eyewitness accounts yeah. of Jesus Christ. Um, eyewitnesses that were so reliable, they literally died for their testimony. And that is the highest test you can possibly have for an eyewitness. Mm -hmm. Are you literally willing to die for this? Complete. Yes, they were. They did. Mm -hmm. We have, we have the best, most credible testimony we could possibly ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, number two, criteria number two is, is, is it, does Jesus really connect with our hearts in a way that shows he's the son of God? Mm. Like, like if he is who he says he is, he is really going to connect with our deepest longings. Mm. We are really going to encounter someone in this book who's higher than ourselves, better than ourselves, meets us uh, where we have needs to, mm. to feel the love of a father unconditionally, mm. to have our guilt and shame removed from us, mm-hmm. um, to meet a God that loves to save sinners like us. Yeah. And um, there, there's... Just it's just a plain and simple fact that as you read through this book, you just encounter someone that's greater than any human being you've ever met. Yeah, well, and so, um, so those were kind of just where I was going with that sermon. There's an external evidence of eyewitness mm-hmm. and an internal witness of the person in the book. Mm-hmm. And as we as we test the evidences outside the Bible, and I'd say even more importantly within the Bible, um, certainty arises in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's where I was going with the sermon. And mm. that's what I preached on. It was so good, bro. I really loved your illustration uh, of the stool. Mm. That some of us stand off. We don't actually sit on the stool, but uh, we're called to have a certainty in Jesus. This is the certainty Luke has and wants for us: is that we could s- sit on the stool. We could base our whole 
life on it uh, right. that we would we would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. So that's that's what uh, Luke. I love that illustration that you gave. Hey, what did you uh, what do you wish you said differently? Was there anything that you'd want to share there? Sure. Um, yeah, just maybe even in line with the stool analogy, I, I, I maybe could have even made it more clearly stated like what what you're certain about is what always drives your behavior mm-hmm. like it always does and the analogy i thought of is man if you were certain this building was going to collapse in 30 seconds mm-hmm. you would not be listening to my sermon i don't <laughs> care how good of a preacher i am you would be out of here yeah and and the same thing like if you were just coming into the building and you were certain that there's a disaster about to happen the only safe place was this building and and even and if everyone else is certain, like they would rush into the building. That's right. And so, um, so I just I just just want us to deconstruct this idea in our minds that that certainty is disconnected from the way we live and act. Mm-hmm. And um, is exactly what I was trying to get at with the metaphor. And um, mm. I thought it was I thought it was pretty clear. I thought I could have made it even more clear. That's just one one thing that came into my mind of how I could have made it even more clear. Mm. That's great. Yeah. What weren't you able to say? Sure. Sunday. What I what I wasn't able to say, and probably pretty wisely so, was some of the more literary things I learned in seminary about <laughs> yeah. about the canon of scripture. Nice mm-hmm. way to put nerdy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more technical. Way yeah, more more, uh, more technical things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and the first one I wanted to talk about, um, and this came up in my research. Um, I was listening to a podcast called The White Horse Inn. Um, great, great theology teacher named Michael Horton, yeah. who was talking about uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, so as far as understanding the New Testament world where Jesus came from, um, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, I believe, in 1948. Mm-hmm. Um, they were dis- considered the, the archaeological find of the century. Yeah. And I don't think we, we understand necessarily the revolution that took place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little, little boy in Israel taking care of his sheep and he and he was throwing rocks right. one day and he and a rock went down into a cave and he heard a pot shatter and he goes down there and finds these different these scrolls in this pot and of course he goes and tells someone and things escalate and before we know it it's the biggest discovery of ancient world documents <laughs> that that is imaginable that's so cool. uh, people copying text in the exact era that Jesus lived in so all of a sudden, this world that's been shrouded in kind of mystery and fog, mm-hmm. uh, historically, outside of the scriptures, uh, becomes illuminated. Yeah. All of a sudden, we can see what Jews were reading about and believing outside of the scriptures sure. at that time. How they were reading the Old Testament. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, it is really this, this transformative archaeological discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, as... And, and, and the, the guest that was on this podcast, his name is Richard Bacham. He's, yeah. he's a guy yeah. whose who's intellect um, is, you know, we're, we're talking stratospheric level here. Um, <laughs> this is... That's real. Yeah, he's, he's over in Cambridge in, in mm-hmm. um, debating the, the best minds about these things. And, and he's, he reads the scrolls, he reads the Bible, and he makes this point that, um, that Luke historically fits with the world. Hmm of the old testament Hmm. and what he's saying is that's almost impossible to fake yeah like you just read you read the book of luke and you read the dead sea scrolls and it's just it's just feels consistent it's the same culture the same world Hmm. like this is not written in 380 Mm -hmm. like like we're, we're talking about 
an impossible leap mm-hmm. for this not to be written in that era. Yeah. Um, no one could construe, like, like how could I write a book from my great grandparents' point of view? Mm-hmm. And then they read it and be like, yeah, that you captured my life <laughs> and my culture. Right. Like they'd be like, what is this? Like, like mm-hmm. you don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. and Luke just, That's good. just fits into this historical era. Yeah. And I wish I could say more and describe, I haven't read the Dead Sea Scrolls, so I'm taking Richard Bauckham's word for it. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, man, the different factions, the different discussions, the different, like, like the way Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, man, that's like consistent with yeah. the beliefs the Pharisees would have had then, the mm-hmm. beliefs Jews would have had then. It's just, it just, it lines up. If it, you know, as I say, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, maybe I'm, Something like that. (laughs) Sure, sure. So, so that was one thing I was thinking about putting in the sermon as like you know this this just historically fits and um, well no if fans or buts about it with the Dead Sea Scrolls for years critics would say oh your manuscripts are too new they're not old enough Mm -hmm. they're old enough and what people regularly saw especially in Isaiah is they would read Isaiah in their Bibles and then they would read the the Dead Sea Scrolls provided you understood Hebrew you're like. This is exactly the same thing. Yes. You know, provided some minor things that don't change any big picture realities. And that was so confirming that, man, what we have, the Bible we have in our hands is reliable. It is what they had. Yes. You know, minus very small scribal errors, that, again, that don't affect theology. Yes. And that was a huge, that was another reason why it was such a huge find. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Can I even restate, yeah. restate that? Go ahead. So let's say... The most recent texts we had from Isaiah were from 300 yeah. AD. Right. And they're saying, oh, Isaiah was written long before that. Right. Certainly it's been changed since then That's as right. they were to, copying to it down. Jesus in interpolations, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, now they find manuscripts from, let's say, 500 years earlier than that. Right. Oh, shoot. It's exactly the same. Right. Exactly. Like, like right. The, the, the Jews were faithful in yep. propagating and copying down scripture. There mm-hmm. wasn't errors. There wasn't textual corruptions. Yeah. Largely, we have unchanged texts handed down to us today. Sure. Yeah. And you're going to hear that from so many people on the street. Why do they come out with a new Bible every few years? Right. That's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're actually just updating the language. They're going back to Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. Mm-hmm. That's right. That by the day become more authenticated as original. Yeah. More is being discovered. More is being... They f- find some fragments for, about Matthew that yeah. they think might be around year 100 or even before that. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, we, it's, we're almost in some cases like, this is pretty darn close to actually the original. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's yep. like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's just, there's an absence as, as the timeline is filled in more. There's an absence of change. It's static. It's, it's, Text yeah. back here is text right here, mm-hmm. and, it's, right. and it's it's just not not um, not changing, and so that's that's very good news for for the Bible and, and for it, us. It's and, so important because yeah. we hear this over and over again. Oh, the Bible has been changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Well, really, yeah. Have you studied textual criticism? Yeah. Because if you do do study textual criticism, it hasn't it hasn't been changed mm-hmm. over over the years. That's right. It, it better not have been changed because we're staking our whole life on it, and so we've mm-hmm. done our due diligence. We looked at it. And it's it is consistent, mm-hmm. and right. and even their his, their traditions of how they would copy it, especially I think the Essenes. Like if they had one made mistake that was caught, they'd burn the entire scroll. 
That's yeah. right. Because they because this was God's word. Mm-hmm. You don't mess with God's divine word. And so that was the kind of people who were copying, not just people who were like, you know, doing it while they're falling asleep and doing it while they're laying on their back and just very casual. Like it was like a very serious thing. It was like a job, like a scribe. Mm-hmm. You're literally copying God's word mm-hmm. and you had a whole, whole, there's whole vetting system. And, this is a and they had to deal. check every letter. That's they, right. They couldn't, you couldn't write two letters without going back. You had to write one letter, go back, write mm-hmm. another letter. And, and there's really just even some providence about the manuscripts have been discovered. There's this guy named, Tischendorf, um, <laughs> he, his job was to go, and, and he's basically Indiana Jones in the 1800s. Yeah. And he would go to uh, old Christian places and look for mm-hmm. manuscripts. Mm-hmm. And I think he ascends Mount Sinai. It's on Mount Sinai, actually, and finds this monastery way up on the top of this mountain. Yeah, I've been there. St. Catharines. You've been Maybe. to St. Catharines? I have. Wow. Yeah. And Wait, I think I have. Yes, yeah. I have. I have. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. so, so in the 1800s... Um, he, he finds this stack of old papers that are about to be burned for uh, yeah. heat in this monastery. Wow. Yeah. Well, it turns out this is Codex Sinaiticus. That's right. The most accurate preservation of the New Testament. He rescues it from that and, and it con- continues to right. confirm and show us that we have right. an accurate uh, depiction, an accurate version of the scriptures right in our yeah. hands and so so god was very right. faithful to us and i think he's at the base of the mountain i remember okay yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah at the yeah, base it's of not it. at the top yeah okay um <clears throat> how does so we're, we're told uh in in luke that these things are written so that we might have certainty and and that would be you know true of all of scripture that the scripture is for us to have certainty about what we believe how does how does this extra biblical evidence serve your certainty like in other words how do we how do we weigh evidence that's outside of scripture uh and how how does that actually how how should that stir a christian's faith i i feel helped by what you're sharing but could you speak a little bit more to that just for a minute i think i think one thing it shows is god's providential hand preserving his scriptures Mm -hmm. like if if this is the book that we need in order to know him then he's going to guide history in a way that preserves it. That's good. And that's exactly what we've seen. Yeah. That's exactly what, again, against all odds. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know how many documents we have from the ancient world? Right. Like maybe nothing almost? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, very little. Yeah. Like when we're talking about, oh, we have Homer and we have all these right. historians. Man, we're talking like we have like five manuscripts of theirs from right. like a thousand years later after it was originally written. Right. And, and no one knows if that's this right. is Homer or not. But it's right. like, and then, and then, we go to the New Testament and we're like 15,000 manuscripts. Right. right. And um, it's just, it, it just starts to boggle the mind when you start to add yeah. up the numbers. Like what in yeah. the world? Why is this book surpassing every other book? Well, let's, let's jump on that more of what you just said, Daniel. How do we factor in how much confidence we have because uh, that this is the word of God and because the word of God is true. And mm-hmm. therefore these things are just basically um, – Confirming. I almost don't want to use the word confirming because it's like to confirm means that you're an authority outside of the the authority because mm. it's the, the authority. And now we're taking lesser authorities and saying, okay, all right, all right, God, you're you're legit, right? Because sure. he's true. Other people are going to um, reflect that. Maybe that's a better word. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be consistent with it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's just dangerous to say. Well, I'll believe the Bible once I see enough right evidences. Mm. Right. Um, the Bible is true, and therefore you're going to see evidences. Ultimately, you're going to see it in the person of Jesus. Is Jesus' message life and what he's done in history, is it consistent with reality? Um, I think there's a lot of ways you got to look at it, yep. not yes. just purely, yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think I think the internal evidence of this book and this person is like no other book in person is the first place we turn. Yes. So like not like what archaeologists say, not what scientists say. That's right. Um, these disciplines are relatively recent in world history, mm-hmm. and many Christians have lived committed lives to these scriptures. Right. That's right. Yeah. Gone to prison. Mm-hmm. Even died for these scriptures, That's right. and they didn't need textual criticism. They didn't need yeah. textual criticism to do that. They just needed yeah. to meet meet their savior. I never, I rarely, not, not never, I rarely know of. I hear stories, and I know very few of people who study textual criticism and art archaeology mm-hmm. in that brought them to Jesus. Yeah, right. right. We just how many people we just they read Gospel of John, and there, uh, as C.S. Lewis says, I think you'll talk about it later. There's a ring of truth, right. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be mistaken by the burning of the bosom of, from the <laughs> from the Mormons, Mormons. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but often confused. Yeah, these things serve us. Uh, they serve us, but they're not ultimately faith producing. That's right, right? Uh, That's like right. The spirit, uh, only. the spirit only. This is a point that Leslie Newbegin, another mm-hmm. giant intellect guy, uh, makes in in the Gospel in a Pluralistic Society. He That's right. he says um, basically that um, faith. <laughs> Our faith must uh, stand on the evidence of Scripture. There's no higher authority mm. than the Scripture itself. So we don't base our authority on textual criticism as as if it's like – make sure I don't uh, say this unhelpfully. Yeah. <laughs> that the authority is not our logic. The authority is not textual criticism ultimately. Um, but we can be served by those things. Help me out, guys. I'm struggling to say that helpfully. Sure. Yeah, it's like they they supplement. Uh huh. Yeah. What should already be there? Yes. A confidence in Jesus is further confirmed. Yeah. Further. Yeah. Further strengthened. I, I think we should celebrate the manuscript tradition. Yes. Yeah. Not, but not base our hope on it. But be That's like, good. man, this. And I just wanted to read really quickly um, from the Westminster Confession, mm-hmm. um, which is. Almost what we believe. Uh, there's just a few, few <laughs> things we disagree with, but um, Article Five says we may be moved and induced. Uh, moved induced just means like encouraged or mm-hmm. caused to, to do something by the testimony of the Scripture to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts. Scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, and many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself mm-hmm. to be the word of God, That's right. Right. notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. And that's just a lot of big words that says, like, the book itself just makes us believe in it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, 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 if I was just going to get to the essence of it. made me think of, and we, I know we got to move on, made me think of Keller in The Reason for God. He talks about clues rather than evidences alone. And so once you just stack all these different clues, you got the inward witness, the outer witness, you got archaeology, you got the lives changed, you got all these different facets, yeah. the, the ring of truth. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm being repetitive, but um, overall, then it becomes just this very persuasive case of who 
that Jesus is who he says he is and the Bible's testify of him accurately. Yes. Right? Rather than saying, hey, do you see this one little thing here? See, like uh, um, this guy, uh, Quirinius, was a governor. See, there's an archaeological you know, finding that says that he was, boom, believe in Jesus, right? It's like uh, it's like the whole case. You know, It's, it's the yeah. witness of Christians of, of loving one another in a way that's supernatural, right? right. It's, it's yes. the whole picture, I think, that God yeah. uses also. That's know? good. That's sweet. I think we should move on. There, you have a, an, another point that I think will uh, serve even this discussion on on kind of the literature of the Bible. What does what does Lewis have to say? Um, sure. What is what is so what one one of the arguments that you're going to hear against the validity of the scriptures is that oh this is just mythology. This yeah. is like Greek mythology. Um, this is just there's all sorts of ancient world stories about gods doing crazy things, gods interacting with human beings, right. gods, some will say even dying and rising. Right. You know, this is, this is just, um, one version of ancient world mythology that right. s- someone just took as real and it just kind of went from there. And look how many flood narratives there are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is, uh, Bart Ehrman is a guy you'll hear say this. Um, if you ever heard that name before yeah. he, the Jesus, something or another Jesus society or something he calls it, yeah. but it is not. Christian. <laughs> and and you'll say, yeah, this is just mythology. Um, and then we have one really, really helpful uh, tutor or, or teacher in this topic, C.S. Lewis, um, who spent his life studying mythology, mm-hmm. myth, mm-hmm. ancient world literature. That's right. You know, he read, he combed and read through all of them. Yeah. And he was a student of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just quoting here from Thibide's commentary on Luke, who quotes from Lewis. Um Lewis says in Christian Reflections, all I am in private life is a literary critic and historian. That's my job. And I am prepared to say on that basis, if anyone thinks the Gospels are either legends or novels, then that person is simply showing his incompetence as as a literary critic. Ouch. Mm. (laughs) I've read a great many novels, and I know a fair amount about the legends that grew up among early people. And I know perfectly well the Gospels are not that kind of stuff. Now, as a literary historian, I am perfectly convinced that whatever else the Gospels are, they are not legends. Mm-hmm. I have read a great deal of legend, and I am quite clear that they are not the same sort of thing. They are not artistic enough to be legends. Mm-hmm. Far from an imaginary point of view, they are clumsy. They don't work up to things properly. And that second quote is from God in the doc. Um, don't usually refer to the scriptures as, um, what does he say? Um, clumsy. clumsy. <laughs> but... Um, but what I think he's getting at is that they kind of just sound like real life. Yeah. Like yeah. things just don't flow for Jesus like they do right. in, in like a like a Beowulf sort of like novel where this sure. hero just ascends and conquers everything sure. and gets the girl. And it's just like mm-hmm. it's just like larger than life. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to look for one example in Luke, like where this comes up. And, and, and we see in Luke chapter four, Jesus goes to his hometown in Nazareth, yeah. reads from the scroll of Isaiah, talks about God's grace for the Gentile. And their result is they try to kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this this isn't what you'd expect in a novel for the rise of a hero or, or a myth or a legend sure. that a hero would come to his hometown to his relatives, sure. his friends, and be rejected by them, yep. uh, attempted to be killed by them, um, shamed by by this. Um, and so and so we just see that there's just it's just a category difference. It's just a mistake. Like you just made a mistake. You didn't read legend carefully enough. You didn't read mythology carefully enough. Yeah. If you're saying the gospels are mythology mm-hmm. or something like that. I remember getting that in Georgia State when I was in uh, in world religions class. 
mm-hmm. and the professor was adamantly calling it a myth. Mm-hmm. And I tried to take him to task to that, and he was uh, just holding strong to it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know enough to – I don't even know what I was saying. I was just like, that sounds wrong. <laughs> you know? But like just – you know, Luke Luke doesn't write himself into the story much um, or at all in Luke, Gospel Luke. Is he in Acts? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, he refers to us sometimes with Paul right. mm-hmm. on his mission. But in journey. general, when you look at the Gospels... And Which he wasn't in, there, so he couldn't write himself. <laughs> there you go. He That's just, right. He, he was a yeah. Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you look at the New Testament, a lot of the authors um, write about themselves in ways that you would never write about yourself. Right. If you were making this up. I mean, yes. they look like absolute buffoons yeah. Yeah, who don't get it. Mm-hmm. That's right. right? And, and it, yeah, their prejudice is being shown, their incompetencies, their pride. I mean, mm-hmm. you just don't write that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and one one other thing is, is that would be impossible for this to be myth back then is that you primarily have women testifying to the resurrection, That's right. and their uh, testimony. I mean, unfortunately, this yeah. is wrong, but it wasn't even admissible in court back right. then. It just was not counted credible. That's right. And so, right. Um, if Luke was trying to invent something that would persuade people, well, in um, his gentle, <laughs> gentle love and the love of the poor. I mean, just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and all due respect to your professor, but in Lewis's word, he sounds like an incompetent literary critic wow. when it comes to Bam. to to Luke and judging and comparing that with mythology. Um, yeah. From what I understand from Lewis and ancient world myths, that's just it's just wrong. It's just like you got the multiple choice wrong. It's not like mm-hmm. it's good. just the way it goes. It's good. That's great. Yeah. Tell us what else. What else did you wish that you could have said? Yeah, the last Sunday. thing I, I just wanted to mention quick is um, so. One other thing you'll hear, you'll hear a lot from the new atheists um, about how, like, like I think The God Delusion is a book. Yep. Um, Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Hitchens. Richard Dawkins. Christopher Hitchens, who died of who cancer died, yep. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, they, they um, are, the, the atheist movement has been around largely since the 600, 1600s, so it's a few hundred years old. Um, the main criticism you'll hear is that Christianity causes wars. Yeah. And if we want peace in the world, we need to get rid of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their arguments are not working. People are more religious now mm-hmm. than they were several decades ago. They're, they're largely failing. At well, Sam, is, Sam Harris is doing a good job because he's kind of um, mixing them in. Yes. Right. He, he has a He's the most effective thing. one. Yeah, because he has a more spiritual take of it. But, yep. you know... Sam Harris largely just lost his audience to Jordan Peterson, who's theistic and yeah. not a Christian, but yeah. but not atheistic like he is, yeah. like Sam Harris yeah, is. Yeah. And so there's just like hunger for the divine that just can't seem to be squelched. Yeah. Um, if you're having trouble with some new atheist friend or book, uh, I would say turn to John Lennox. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's the, the foremost apologist I've ever encountered. Um, he debated Christopher Hitchens and Christopher Hitchens basically admitted he lost, um, which if you know, Christopher Hitchens, that is improbable. Mm-hmm. And the debate I watched him, I was just in awe of the, he's, he's a mathematician at Oxford, mm-hmm. um, and just has unstoppable arguments and he's just the most fluid and he's just got this winsomeness about him. Like he's just humble and kind when he's mm-hmm. like, like a Christian should be. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> yeah, not, he doesn't sound like MacArthur when he's, <laughs> when he's sorry, John MacArthur, I love you. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, he sounds, and, and he really is just a great resource to turn to. Um, one, one final thing you might encounter is I'm sure you all heard of the Da Vinci code, Dan Brown, mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge assault on the scriptures right now. Yeah. And it's the idea that the New Testament canon 
and I've heard this a lot mm-hmm. from even my relatives, was not assembled until the fourth century nice. in the 300s. Nicene. Um, at the Nicene Council. Yep. That the Emperor Constantine wanted a religious document that would substantiate his control yeah. of the empire, and, and Athanasius gave it to him. Right. And yeah. those who had power controlled the history or controlled the documents, really. That's right. right. And, and it's just so off, like historically, it's yeah. just so off. Um, one thing that was helpful for me is to see that even in this late first, early second century, we start to see the early church fathers start to name many of the books mm-hmm. as scriptural that end up in the end up in the first full list of the New Testament we see in 367 AD. Mm-hmm. So already mm-hmm. there's this witness, and there's so many letters circulating, there's so many books circulating during this time, and there seems to be a certain few that are testifying to God's people that this is the voice mm-hmm. of God, not the voice of man. And, right. and, and independently, yeah. different church fathers are saying... And they had other tests, like apostolic uh, writer, or they were a close associate with apostolic writer, yeah. and, and so forth. Yes. They, there's like three or, f- three or four tests. And these people were like the disciples of John. Mm-hmm. You know, like right, people, right. like they're that connected to the New Testament. Right, like, right. like so, yeah, yeah. and they're starting to understand these books as authoritative witnesses. Even Paul, mm-hmm. even even... Or no, even Peter is calls Paul's writing scripture. Right. So they're, they're hard to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah as they do mm-hmm. the other scriptures. Yeah. And so yes. even amongst the New Testament writers, there's so early there, there's already this this clear like these are scriptural books. So we're talking 300 years before mm-hmm. the Council of Nicaea. Um, they found something called the Moratorian Canon in the mid 200s, mm. and we see a much more developed New Testament there. So there's like, there, there is this process where the early church is recognizing they're not, they're not authorizing. They're That's not right. declaring. Right. That's right. They're, they're, they're recognizing what God has declared. That's to be a scripture. significant difference. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. That's right. And, and you, and I, and it, you can see this, like, if you look at this, if you look at the flow of time, you can see it, this grassroots process by which the churches come under the authority of these books and just understand them and hear the voice of God in them. Mm-hmm. And there's certain other books, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, that just, they do, you read them and they, and they just, they do not have the same ring of truth. They do not have the same consistency. Consistency. Too. They yeah. do not have the same connection with the early apostles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Origin also, 250 names many of the books. And then when you get to the Nicene Council, it's just such such a, turn around to say that like Athanasius like was this villain who got his way he was in the minority mm-hmm. there was a heretic named Arius yeah. mm-hmm. who was running the show everyone mm-hmm. loved Arius everyone thought he was right Athanasius was like this guy who kept getting kicked out into the desert yeah and and just and just faithfully defended the scriptures faithfully served God and and faithfully got and thankfully God moved in that council and they authorized what the church had already recognized. They recognized what the church had already recognized many hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you look at the timeline, if you look at the passage of history and the evidence, you cannot maintain that the New Testament canon was assembled in 367 and not before that. Mm-hmm. That just is wrong. Well, and, and not only does the historical evidence fight against it, it's the actual internal reality of what they chose. If 
if Constantine and all these other people were doing a power play for self-serving reasons, they really screwed up. They were really bad at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they should have cut out all the whole like take up your cross and die and serve one another, care about those that nobody cares about, like live lives that like where you don't live for self-gain and selfish ambition and riches. Like they should have stacked up like, oh, the leaders, especially the emperor, you know, they should be rich and they should be worshipped and they should have multiple wives and you know, yeah. a lot of kind of stuff that other religions and cults sound like, right? Like yeah. that you clearly see these other religions. They're 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 um, shaped and warped by twisted men who wanted to s- serve themselves. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, it's the opposite. It's like, hey, be about someone else. Live your whole life to glorify someone else. Right? Mm-hmm. Who would write that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they rejected some of the more triumphalistic books, like the Maccabees that talk about the Jews rising up and slaying the Romans. Yeah, yeah. you know, That's like, right. like that just sound like, man, this empire is powerful. Yeah, those are those were rejected by the early believers yeah. and these more. Books of humble service and suffering yep. are the ones that we that we received as the scriptures today. Totally handed down to us. It's good. This is um, so good. Yeah. It's great. We have been given this book of Luke that we might have certainty in the things we've been taught. Yes. Um, we are very excited to go through this book with you in the in the coming weeks and months, and we are praying that you feel uh, you, you have firm ground to stand on, church. We are our faith is is uh, is sure it's on good ground and and we are just getting an example thanks for your your great sermon brother yes for serving us that way um i think we should stop it there oh we're gonna call it quits i mean we're we're we're, we're getting closer to the 40 minute mark okay. i think that was rich rich mm-hmm. and i hope every member can hear that yeah and just be encouraged mm-hmm. um and and that just i think to kind of piggyback this just gives us no excuse not to heed this book yeah right right like this book is not a neutral book mm-hmm. about like the table of contents or something that is very obscure it it has great weight and bearing on our lives and because it is true we have to live in light of its reality and validity yeah yeah we're not called to master this book we're called to be mastered by it mm-hmm. amen amen that's right well thanks for listening yeah we pray that that god uh, strengthens your faith as you listen God bless you all.